another school year is beginning, which will initiate some reshaping of education and the transition to our post-COVID-19 America. We have learned of a unique organization which has been quietly active supporting community-based organizations that are working to affect change in selected Denver public schools. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The goals of the organization rooted is to invest in community-driven organizations, schools, and strategies that advance racial equality in education with the aim for an equitable, accountable, responsive Denver public school system where racism is no longer a barrier. Our guests on this edition form the leadership core team of Rooted, Board Chair Dr. Brenda Allen and Executive Director Mr. Pat Donovan. It really stems from um, being you know, rooted in community, um, and so that's that's really where the the concepts come from. And it's a play on uh, you know words because you've got we're rooted in community, and then the ED on the end of it, uh, you know, rooted in community, focused on education. You know, one of the things I, I was really curious about too is that you support autonomous schools. And I said, well, is this an organization that supports charter schools only or all schools? Autonomous schools, what are you meaning by that? So autonomous schools to means to us are um, nonprofit schools. So schools that have a nonprofit board that are um, in community. So that includes charter schools for sure, um, but that also includes uh, in Denver innovation zone schools. And so that's uh, schools like Northfield High School or McAuliffe or Grant Beacon. Um, so those are those are both school models that have community boards, nonprofit boards. Uh, both Dr. Allen and I both serve on some of those community boards in our uh, different capacities. We believe that that structure allows for decision making to be made closer to the community um, and be informed by the community. And many of those nonprofit school boards have uh, parents on them and community members uh, who, who make decisions about the schools. So those that's really the designation. Um, and all types of schools within that, whether it's you know, the American Indian Academy, which is a charter school, or you know, DSST, which many, most people are familiar with, uh, Denver School for Science and Technology. Um, so a whole variety of different types of schools fall within that uh, category of schools. Once upon a time, I had children in DPS, and we learned a little something about charter schools, but uh, innovation schools or innovation zones? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a relatively new model. Um, been around for about five years, and uh, basically, groups of schools who have some shared interest. Uh, the Northeast Denver Innovation Zone, for instance, is a school that a set of schools who have a shared interest around some of the um, IB curriculum, as well as a, a very strong interest in equity work. Uh, and I would say there, that particular zone has done more around the Black Excellence Resolution in Denver and equity work in Denver um, than, than most others. So uh, their schools have a shared interest, and they are granted an additional level of autonomy around um, you know, their budget and how they staff their schools, what kind of curriculum they offer uh, than um, you know, a traditional school. And they are... Um, they're governed by um, a nonprofit board, and um, their teachers are all part of the teachers' union still, 
um, but they, the teachers and the rest of the staff and the um, parents, everybody votes on the innovation plan, it's called. And mm -hmm. so they all agree on what they want to do that's innovative and, and collaborative. And they all agree on that and they set that plan and they move forward uh, with that. So it's, uh, it's a different kind of autonomous structure than, I say, a charter school, um, but one that's been uh, quite effective uh, since it started about five years ago. Yeah, with rooted support of autonomous schools um, and some of the charters out there, but with your support of that, does that run a, a danger or does uh, – and this is for Dr. Allen – does that run a danger or the possibility that we may have a tiered system of education where certain schools get a lot more support and other ones don't? Is there a danger in that somewhere? Pat, if you would respond to that first and then I'll weigh in. Typically, uh, charter schools actually get less funding um, and uh, than, than other schools, uh, than, say, a traditional school. So not, not 100% of the revenue flows uh, to them. So the fund, funding that we provide is really to augment some of that uh, differential that exists there. So I don't, I don't think it really creates a, a, a different kind of tiered structure where one school is getting more than another. And, you know, actually, if you look at it in some of the more affluent uh, neighborhoods uh, of Denver, the local PTAs, you mentioned you were on one of those when your kids were in school, um, you know, some of them can raise many hundreds of thousands of dollars for their school. So most of the schools that we invest in are predominantly serving uh, low-income populations where the parents, in many cases, are, are not able to raise those kinds of funds through their PTA. And so we are there to help them uh, build out the programs to, to serve um, the students. So I, I think it's we're actually trying to create more of an equity equitable situation than, uh, than to create a uh, a higher level of funding. We're actually trying to make up ground. Thank you, Pat. I agree with that. And I think, um, Adam, in terms of your question, it's also important to factor in the notion of thinking about all potential students and all options they have in terms of where they might go to school, right? The difference between some of those options, um, then that can make a difference in terms of possibility. Uh, so I see that as something to acknowledge, even as I so appreciate the work that we're doing to support those autonomous schools. I, I guess one of the models you're using, Dr. Allen, models or directions, community-driven, community-led. Uh, just looking at that on the surface, it sounds as if um, anybody in the community can contribute to the direction that that school is doing and maybe to the educational process there. I think that my understanding uh, in being a part of this wonderful organization is that, yes, certain kinds of groups that are community-driven and community-led uh, that have an interest in education in ways that align with our mission, they certainly have an opportunity to communicate with us, to provide proposals, et cetera. However, we are pretty rigorous and pretty committed in terms of how we engage in that work is to ensure that it's really uh, directly connected to that notion of ensuring that every child in Denver has the opportunity and support to get the knowledge and skills that they can um, succeed. 
So, you know, though that criterion becomes critical in terms of, you know, community can mean a lot of different things. And I think you're alluding to the point that community driven and community led, there's a wide variety of such groups in the Denver metro area. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're saying that the, the kids can get a, a, a more solid education there, is that also when you're terming it uh, advancing equity in education so that everybody can get a pretty good education on the same level? Most definitely. And I'm so glad you used the E word uh, because uh, that's that's a word that's, you know, the notion of equity comes up time and time again. And one of the things that I appreciate about Rooted is that we focus on equity and we strive to be clear about what we mean by that. And I would hope, you know, for audience members, wherever you are in terms of your understanding about equity and education, I encourage you to become even more literate and even more understanding that when we talk about equity, it's different than equality. And also that equity means that uh, no matter who you are as a student, the likelihood of you succeeding cannot be predicted by any of your circumstances, including your race, including the community you live in, the school that you go to, and so forth. So that means working towards policies, practices, programs that are strategic, systemic, and sustainable to ensure, right, that everybody Mm -hmm. gets the resources, opportunities, skills that they need, not only to um, survive, but to thrive. But a lot of cases... We have a lot of predetermined notions regarding kids and what they can do when they hit certain That's exactly uh, right. certain levels. And what you're saying mm-hmm. is that, oh, no, we're going to take that off the table because youngsters are showing they can uh, achieve a heck of a lot more, you know, and, and instead of being put into the little squares, you know, in third grade. If you don't read well, then we know you're going to jail later. Uh, maybe not, you know, and we have to give them the exactly. opp- opportunity to do better than that. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yes, you're hearing that in addition to other uh, related issues that have to do with the the unfortunate reality that a single student, you could have two students in the same household, same family, having different educational experiences because of the lack of concerted effort around equity, the uh, dynamics that include the school, the leadership, the teacher, faculty, the curriculum, the community, all of those embedded in racist, uh, classist, sexist systems, right, in ways that um, even something as simple as something that we're finding in some research that we're doing of assumptions that we should be educating and encouraging every single student to uh, plan to go to a four-year college and beyond. This is not to say we should not be encouraging that, but we also should be providing the means by which students and their families can make a reasonable choice in terms of a career pathway. Our tag team guest on this edition, Lead Rooted, a Denver organization that supports community-driven change in the Denver Public Schools. Mr. Pat Donovan has been managing director of Rooted for the last two years. In addition to directing operations, he also leads autonomous school investments. He's a grad of the Lead School of Business at the University of Colorado. Rooted supports community change, uh, community-driven change. Um, have a couple of examples of especially good positive ones that you all have interfaced and led and and, and helped? One example would be a group called Edmium, the Young Alumni Collective. 
so we identified a gap in the education ecosystem in Denver that there there were not young alumni from GPS um, you know at the table helping to you know decide what was going to happen and we helped to um, incubate and start Edmium, uh, the Young Alumni Collective, led by a, an amazing leader, Teray Escabel, who used to work at Root Ed. Yeah. And um, one of the things that that group of, of young alumni, uh, they had their one-year anniversary just, just last week at Skate City in Aurora. Oh, good. Um, one of the things that they did is they identified the need to have a financial literacy curriculum in DPS, you know, personal finance and uh, mortgages and insurance and debt management and all these different things. And um, many of them felt like they had not been equipped to handle that as they uh, entered into their careers and into their lives. So they have worked with the district and they have through their their voice and their agency and their advocacy have been able to get that implemented. So, you know, big credit to that group of young alumni and a big credit to DPS for listening uh, and for adopting uh, that that financial literacy curriculum. What I appreciate about that example is it goes directly back to this notion of equity. It goes back to your point, Adam, in terms of assumptions about what students need, uh, right, uh, and, and what students' lives are going to be like of being culturally responsive and culturally affirming to provide that type of curriculum and as an option, right, to help those students and for Rooted then to be in a place where we can advocate for and actually financially and otherwise support it, it just speaks to the, the types of partnerships across various groups. You probably get this question a lot, you know, with the pandemic that started almost a year and a half ago and the, the upheavals in education, remote, in person, someplace and all that stuff. What are you hearing from the community that they think needs to happen with uh, some of the schools that you are supporting to make them effective as we move, uh, hopefully move out of this pandemic and establish a new normal? What we are are hearing from our school partners and from parents community is, you know, the the pandemic impacted uh, students learning um, very differently depending upon their circumstances. And so the level of individualized um, attention that students need, um, particularly students that maybe have fallen behind uh, during that time frame, uh, has been um, accelerated and heightened. We've always needed that individualized approach, but it has even compounded uh, coming off the pandemic. So what our schools really need to do is have deep relationships with the students and their families to understand where the student is uh, in their learning right now where the areas need to be made up, and then we need to flood, you know, additional resources um, to that student and to their family to help them um, make up any ground that they may may have uh, lost during the pandemic. Um, you know, whether that's academic, but it could also be social, emotional, um, you know, issues, mental health issues, et cetera, um, other other sort of support systems that they need to move forward um, in their in their schooling. And so we see a lot of um, attention going into that from the schools that we support. Uh, And I would say, fortunately, um, because of some of the stimulus money coming in um, to the schools, there are significant resources uh, to be able to do that. I think the key thing at this point is how are we deploying those resources? How are we spending that money to make sure that it's focused on that individualized attention um, at the student level? And uh, that's something 
most educators um, you know, have some experience with, but nobody's been through this pandemic before. So uh, we, we just need to, yeah. to adapt and innovate very quickly. Our two teaming guests on this edition form the Leadership Corps of Rooted, a Denver organization supporting change within the Denver Public Schools driven externally by the community. Dr. Brenda Allen is the board chair of Rooted, the former vice chancellor for diversity and inclusion at the University of Colorado at Denver and the Anschutz Medical Campus. Dr. Allen is also the author of the book, Difference Matters, Communicating Social Identity. And specifically related to the Denver public school system, which um, I'm, I'm honored to be involved in some research that's inviting input from uh, students, alums, family members, et cetera, around DPS and the notion of quality and equity in education. And what we're finding is uh, really not a, a big surprise that's happening in education throughout this country during the pandemic is that it brought into stark relief the numerous predictable inequities that have always existed, right, yeah. as well as examples of individual isolated positive efforts related to equity. And that could include something like whether or not learn via virtual, uh, as well as, as Patrick uh, referred to, is thinking about wellness and wellness, both physical and psychological and family circumstances, et cetera. So many of those inequities just were compounded as a result of this pandemic. If, if the school systems aren't really, really intentional and specific about the work that they do going, you know, coming back, if you will, uh, into the classroom, then there's just there's potential for continued intergenerational uh, challenges and disparities. During the pandemic, we heard constantly about uh, students in school. I mean, across America, this is just a general sidebar question to both of you that uh, our students, the kids were falling behind, falling behind. You know, they can't learn on uh, with Zoom and that kind of thing. They're falling behind. And I, for some reason, I've always said, do kids really fall behind or do they mm-hmm. maybe learn a little slower at the time? They learn what you have and then they catch up and get to where they need, need to be because as soon as they graduate or 18 and they're out of there, we don't hear anything about anybody falling behind when they go to the university. People take 20 years to graduate. <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know if, we're, if we are, are starting to just misappropriate or, or misapply the term falling behind. And kids really have different rates of learning, and they've shown that they're pretty a lot more resilient than what adults give them credit for. I do think um, the year, particularly for uh, lower-income students um, didn't have the the home supports uh, really impacted them, and you know some data that from some of the schools that we work with to show that yeah. uh, that they you know are are below where they normally would have been, um, and so that is true. But I also think you're correct that students are incredibly resilient and with the right kind of supports um, and the right kind of attention. They can uh, they can accelerate and, and make that up and um, and get to a good place. So full confidence that the, they have the capability to do it and the desire to do that. Um, but there there needs to be additional support to get there um, because they most definitely, um, particularly in lower income households, uh, in most cases did fall uh, fall a little bit behind. I know Dr. And, Allen has something was, to say about that. <laughs> you know that I do because I 
I want us to never lose sight of, even as we focus on individuals and thinking about students and families and community members' resilience and ways that, you know, we, we come through no matter what, et cetera, those have been persistent across history. And, and particular individuals who will step up, who will, whether it's that family member, that uncle, that auntie, the grandparents, those have persisted even as, however, the systemic structural barriers also have persisted. And that's what we especially need to be focusing on going forward. And it's not so much that students have fallen behind as much as it is that we have failed them in terms of helping them to move forward. And not only to move forward, but to move forward in ways that they thrive, to move forward in ways that they feel that they've had an experience where they feel valued and respected, where they've gotten information and insight. They've had, they're aware of options and take those options based on, you know, uh, important advice and role modeling and so forth. And so that's a lot. And it goes back to my mantra, strategic, systemic, sustainable of the, the, the experiences are so uneven and so uh, varied across, again, even within one particular school or one family. And one of the things we're hearing uh, time and time again uh, through that research project is this notion of, of school systems being on one page, school systems really being transparent and being fully responsive to all yeah. types of students rather than uh, that being particularly designed for a certain type of student, a certain type of family, uh, really addressing issues of race and racism. Not so much that they have fallen behind, they've been left behind. Pat, question to you is that uh, Rooted uh, makes grants to uh, community partners to get certain things done. Is your funding through DPS or do you have events where you have to get it on your own? Um, how do you uh, get the funds that you are dispersing to the organization so that they can help with the work of making those schools better? We do fundraising as an organization to to bring uh, in dollars and then uh, grant that out. Very large foundations. Um, you know, who aren't very, aren't as close to the day-to-day goings-on of our city and our students. And they want an organization like RUDED, who's very close to the communities, to be able to uh, direct those funding. So some national foundations who um, are working, you know, across the nation and really want to be able to um, have some of that money directed to, uh, to people who, who are connected to the community. So they trust us to make those investments. And then also local organizations, uh, foundations as well, like Gates Family Foundation and STERM. Um, and some of the national ones are like Walton Family Foundation and the City Fund. Okay. So we aggregate those dollars and then distribute them um, out to, uh, we had 70 grantees in the previous year. 70 grantees. Some of the uh, partners, yep. Faith Bridge, Rocky Mountain Prep, Our Town, Highland Academy. Uh, those are some of the partners you have. What are some of the things they've been working on? A few examples, more on the community side, and just to build on on uh, the pandemic. You, many of the organizations, the community-based organizations, were providing support to students throughout the pandemic and plan to provide that going forward. So FaithBridge is a good example. Um, they have a team of retired um, educators. They all are black women, and they are providing uh, educational support um, to students. Um, so 
that's an example of something that was created during uh, the pandemic, but is planned to continue into the future. And that is not a formal school. They're a community organization that is providing that service uh, to students. Um, another Montbello Organizing Committee is another great example of a community-based organization that is providing more whole child support, so mental health supports, yeah. food access, physical um, ac exercise access to support students in the community, um, knowing that the schools can't do it all on their own, the family can't do it all on their own. Um, they need the community support uh, to add to that. Uh, so those are those are a few examples. There, there's there's many others, but those are good examples of people who in organizations we funded to help um, support students and families during the pandemic and then beyond, uh, because they they know that they have as much work to do this year and beyond as they did last year. Dr. Allen, with that number of partners uh, and and community support that you have, uh, one of the things that I, I I guess you all have to really work hard at is is getting these groups with opposing viewpoints and directions all have a shared vision. How do you bring them to that type of focus? I think it begins with uh, persons who come to us for funding, the process that we go through where we have clarity that what they're striving to do aligns with our mission, aligns with our vision. So even if uh, ways that they are addressing it, you know, in terms of the organizations, the groups, the schools themselves, they may have, you know, whether we're aware of it or not, ways that they differ and vary in terms of um, perspectives, et cetera. The key thing is that we are clear when we agree to fund them that they are helping to achieve our mission. So I think that's the, the main difference. Pat? That's very true. And I think another thing is we actively support various um, collaborative groups groups that are trying to come together and work on uh, the lack of diversity and representation in our teaching force uh, endeavor. So we're, we're supporting all of those groups coming together. Um, there's a, um, a re-emerging group. I won't say it's new because they've been around since the West walkouts, but the, the Latino Education Coalition, yeah. uh, which, yeah. is, um, which is a, a, a pretty broad group of uh, Latinx and Chicano organizations who have come together around their shared interest in education. They don't agree on everything else, um, but they, they have a core set of education things that they agree on. And so we're supporting that group to come together and facilitate conversation and, and represent the voices of all of the, the communities that they work in. So those, those are a few examples. And then we actively work to have organizations like FaithBridge or Montbello Organizing Committee or Transform Education Now work directly with our school partners so mm -hmm. that the community partners and the schools are working together and becoming better. So the schools are being responsive to the community and the community is bringing assets and resources to the table. Um, you know, they tend to be a very trusted community partner and sometimes the school is still viewed a little bit institutionally. Um, and so those community partners bring, uh, bring that lens to the table. And so we provide, we, we structure collaborative grants between community partners and schools. Oh, sounds great. Final question for both of you. If you had one thing that you want the community to know or to understand about the work of Rooted and how they can help you. 
I encourage uh, listeners to learn a bit more about the work that we are doing and from that to discern important lessons of of ways they may already be engaging and uh, advocating for educational equity in Denver and beyond. And that is related to uh, the example that Pat just gave of the notion of being collaborative and culturally responsive perspectives of the key stakeholders in education, that is family, community members, and students themselves, as well as those organizations that clearly are committed to educational equity as we describe it. So I would say that's one thing. A second thing is um, to really, if you have ideas or um, models or uh, recommendations or questions, to feel free to reach out to us. I am uh, the, the father of three DPS graduates. I live in Denver, too. And I'd say we're a very accessible organization. If people are interested in education and want to learn more about us, you know, we're, we're a phone call uh, you know, away, happy to have, have coffee or, or whatever at any time. Um, but I would say the, the, the thing that I want people to know about Ruta is, is that we believe the people closest uh, to the students should be the ones driving change. And so yeah. if there are great organizations and, or people, individuals even, who are doing work in communities to support students and families to help them achieve their dreams, we want to know about that. We we want to support that work. And I, I believe we've only scratched the surface in the community of the people who are doing great work. And I would really love to hear from other people who are really striving to create, you know, racial equity in Denver. On this edition, our focus has been the community-driven change in the Denver Public Schools supported by the organization Rooted. Our guests have been Rooted Leadership Board Chair, Dr. Brenda Allen, and Managing Director, Mr. Pat Donovan. We thank them both for their time and insight on a subject topic too few in our community are aware. To learn more and to connect to support their work, go online to Rooted Denver. That's R-O-O-T-E-D-D-E-N-V-E-R.org. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game and mask up anyway. Keep your distance when going out and get vaccinated for full freedom. And many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.